professionally, I thought I had hit the lottery when I got to Channel 7. Totally. Which you did, actually. Yeah. However, I was stressed out. I was tired. I had some post-traumatic stress from covering so many horrifying stories yeah. with children, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get into them, but we have enough bad news right now to know that even if I were doing the news right now, I'd be running and gunning. I'd be on COVID central 24-7. News is really not good news for the most part. So I had to be honest with myself and say, this is not the fame, the celebrity that everyone thinks it is. There's a personal cost to being in the news, being on the news, being in the public eye. And I I had to be honest with myself that it wasn't fulfilling. My former colleague and friend, Lauren DeFranco, is my guest today. Welcome back to Bucket List Careers. I'm Crystal Laurie, and I'm glad you're here. Lauren is this creative soul and powerhouse award-winning TV journalist. She's one of those people you don't want to underestimate. While a petite beauty, she's super fierce. I've seen her in action, covering trials, nailing the big stories. Very talented. Having her own radio show is one of her most recent accomplishments, but she started her career in TV journalism at WFSB-TV in Hartford, where she was an assistant to Gail King, writing and producing for various anchors. Lauren landed at Channel 7 Eyewitness News in New York City, top market in the country. That is the job when you're a reporter. And she was in the field for 14 years there. But while she was at the pinnacle of her career, something wasn't working for Lauren in those years. She opens up about it, dealt with a not-so-easy divorce, And Lauren just needed more out of her work, she says, more for her soul. She took a deep dive into the art world and has since shown her work, which I love, by the way, at many art exhibits, including Art for Joy, which helps victims of abuse, spearheaded by the actress Mariska Hargitay. This is a classic pivot-centric Bucket List Careers episode, with Lauren following her heart more and more in her journey to professional purpose. And speaking of the heart, For Valentine's Day, we're focusing a bit on certain love-related topics with Lauren, who is a single mom and knows her stuff, so to speak. For the last several years, she's hosted a show on KJOY Radio, along with a professional dating coach, mainly focusing on matchmaking and dating, helping singles in the New York metro area, but I'm sure the themes are universal, find their soulmates. So this episode has so much to offer. I hope you enjoy the listen, guys. Lauren, I'm so excited we're doing this. Welcome to Bucket List Careers. I don't know why I didn't think of having you on season one. What were we waiting for to nail you down on this? (laughs) I'm really happy to be on season two. And maybe I can make a guest appearance on season three, four, five. Who knows? Oh, yes, absolutely. More to come. But I'm actually just really thrilled we were able to get this together for Valentine's Day, sort of a special episode with you, because who better than you hosting your own show on KJOY Radio that focuses on matchmaking and dating. So we're going to get into all of that fun stuff in a little bit. But first, we need to get everyone up to speed on your career evolution, going behind your resume and understanding your transitions to finding what lights you up, Lauren. And with you, we can really dial it back since you were just a little girl. I think you wrote your first book at age seven. And obviously you were a very creative type from an early age. 
Yeah, I always wanted to write and illustrate. And so at seven, I came to my first grade teacher. He was my first grade teacher. And I said, I wrote and illustrated this book. And she was dumbfounded. She was like, how did you do that? And I came up with a character, some flying, not Dumbo, but I think it was a flying elephant. <laughs> so fast forward to when I went to college, I created a character called Wilbur Cross. And I did a daily cartoon strip at UConn at the University of Connecticut. And I think the circulation was about 25,000 and it was a daily strip. So I really had goals of doing that for a long time, but then I got into television. Right. So walk us through your career in journalism after college. You started at WFSB TV in Hartford, Connecticut, and then landed a very big gig at Eyewitness News in New York City, the number one market in the country, the number one station in the city. And... I know. I remember. You were really good at it. You were a reporter in the field, crushing it for a really long time. I did. And can I tell you a funny story about WFSB? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to Hartford for a bit. So I worked for Gail King, and nobody knows who Gail King is, but... I do. Isn't she Oprah's best friend forever? She was. And I had aspirations of being on the air. I ran prompter for her. And I worked at three o'clock in the morning, and I would always fall asleep at the prompter table. And um, <laughs> but Gail was best. She was the best. And so when I was trying to get into the business on the other side of the camera, she gave me my first interview. Oh. And I have it somewhere on a three-quarter inch tape. I don't know if you remember those. But... <laughs> Right. Started the long gone, and she finished it. We had it over lunch, and it was like a two-hour lunch. And she was absolutely the best. But my roommates always made fun of me because of this interview because she basically started it and finished it. But I was just so happy and grateful that she sat down with me for two hours. So that was my first taste of journalism. And then, yes, I did. I did do a few things before I landed the job at Channel Seven. So yeah, you were a reporter for 14 years. You covered many high-profile trials and historical events. You know, all the big stories you were involved in. You also anchored at Fios One News. You know, there's a big chunk of your career narrative there in journalism. We could go in lots of directions, I feel. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly about the business. But for the purposes of this show right now, what we're here to talk about, I want to know what was really at the heart of your decision to transition out. You were at the top of your game, but yet you told me you felt very unfulfilled with your personal and professional life. I think you know as well as I do that everyone thinks news is a glamorous business. And I mean, you look beautiful, you are beautiful, but we have to try so hard at looking our best, being on camera, running and gunning, I was running and gunning seven days a week and I was never off the clock and that snowstorm would hit and I would have to get up at three o'clock in the morning and work till seven o'clock at night. And personally, I was not fulfilled and my personal life was falling apart, not really as a result of the career, as a result of many, many things. Professionally, I thought I had hit the lottery when I got to Channel 7. Totally. Which you did, actually. Yeah. However... I was stressed out. I was tired. I had some post-traumatic stress from covering so many horrifying stories with children, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get into them, but we have enough bad news right now to know that even if I were doing the news right now, I'd be running and gunning. I'd be on COVID central 24-7. News is really not good news for the most part. So 
I had to be honest with myself and say, this is not the fame, the celebrity that everyone thinks it is. There's a personal cost to being in the news, being on the news, being in the public eye. And I I had to be honest with myself that it wasn't fulfilling. No, I think that's completely fair. Anyone who's been in the business knows that it takes its toll on you. And even if you're not in the news industry, you can understand why it can be depleting, emotionally depleting. Finding your next step, was that challenging for you? Well, the challenge was that I had to reconcile that my life was at a crossroads and I had to pick up the pieces of a failed marriage and two children and kind of say, well, what what do I want to do with my life? And art is the one thing. Music and art are my true passions. So that's what I did. I created a prolific amount of art and it led to me being in art shows and selling my art to people who I would never have imagined selling it to. And it was an outlet for me. And it was a personal journey because everything was about the depth of my soul coming out in my artwork. So it was a personal journey. And I always loved art. I mean, it's it's one of my true passions in life, aside from music. I think it's amazing that you also came to this awareness in terms of putting your art out there at a later stage in life. And do you feel what you went through with your divorce whatever you saw out there in the news biz, was there something that sort of was a pivotal moment for you where you said, I'm going to do this now? The pivotal moment was, I'm not happy. I was covering the Long Island serial killer. My marriage was falling apart. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I literally could not sit in the truck one more day and pretend that everything was okay. In the live truck, just so, yeah, no, totally. I remember, I just remember being out there, same thing, you know, being out there in the field and you're waiting for obviously the 11 o'clock live shot, but you're saying that those were the moments when you were the most honest with yourself. Yeah, I mean, sitting in the news van and just knowing that everything around me was chaotic. I wanted to be able to do my job in a professional way and therefore I wasn't going to go off the air in a, blaze of non-glory, so to speak. So I just decided I'm going to take some time and to reflect and to have some self-awareness of what it is that I want to, you know, we're not one thing in life and no one should think that we are. And I'm sure you would agree with me on that. 100%. And the journey is not linear necessarily. You are doing also something really interesting with your art, with Art for Joy. And that's a number of exhibits that help victims of abuse. So talk to me a little bit about that. That must feel really good. Yeah. So my friend's daughter is very involved in that organization and it helps victims of sexual abuse. And not oddly enough, Maritzka Hargitay, I say her name right, she spearheaded this organization because I guess she did so much work in that sort of field as an actress on Law & Order that it became a passion of hers as well. And so I donated some of my artwork and it was sold and it was very gratifying for me. That's amazing. I love your work, actually. I I love following it and seeing what you put on Instagram and what you're giving to the world. Speaking of which, let's talk about the K-Joy radio show, which is also pretty exciting. And 
I think, again, you're being very honest with people. You're, you're putting yourself out there. You do a show about matchmaking and dating. You yourself are single. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved with this? I mean, you're perfect for it. Obviously, you've got a smooth voice and you've been in broadcast for years. How did you get involved in that? Was it your idea? Did you pitch it to them? The funny thing is that I also delved into public relations. So I Okay, had, okay. I did a little bit of that too. We yeah. all do after television, right? <laughs> totally. I met Maureen Tara Nelson, who is the matchmaker, and we decided that we made a, a good team. And so we started doing the radio show on KJOY and we've had some success with it. People call in and everybody wants to hear dating advice. And in this pandemic world, and I won't say post pandemic because we're clearly not out of it, but it's very interesting because internet dating is such a hard thing. And I can personally attest to this. (laughs) You kiss on the first date because you don't have a COVID test or, you know, you have to have your vaccine now. I mean, the whole world of dating has changed so much. Yeah. People really want to know what to do and how to do it and what's out there and what to avoid. And Maureen and I both have stories and we get callers and we get questions and it's really kind of a fun thing to do. Well, it's a great idea. I mean, obviously, this is something that was born in the pandemic. And as you said, there are a lot of questions that are completely new to the dating game. What are some of the juicier questions you've gotten? (laughs) People want to know if they can have sex on the first date. And we're like, well, I don't think that's a great idea in general, but... (laughs) You know, I mean, forget about the pandemic. Right. And is that really a question for you? I mean, isn't that kind of up to the caller to decide? But okay, that's that's juicy. I mean, that's certainly sort of a very big question on many minds. What about like Tinder and Bumble and blah, blah, blah? Is that a big focus as well, the apps? Well, you see a lot of catfishing going on and people who, Mm. I mean, you've watched, I mean, have you been on Netflix? A lot of the movies that are out there now and everything, they're about catfishing. Totally. I've seen, isn't there a show called Catfish? There is a show called Catfish. (laughs) And then there was Clickbait. Did you see that by any chance? I didn't catch that one. No, no, but it's the same concept, right? So just people obviously masquerading as someone they're not. Yeah. And so- That's another thing. I mean, I think it's easier. You spend so much time vetting people out on the internet. It's really a waste of time and energy. So it's important to talk to people who are sort of experts in the field to say, well, you can navigate around this and you can kind of cut to the chase. If somebody doesn't want to take you out on after texting for three days, maybe you should just leave it alone. That's a good question because I've been out of the dating game for a long time. How many days of texting are sort of the norm now or the standard before you go out on the date? Honestly, Krista, it could go on for days. And there are women that I know personally who I consider to be smart and educated women. And they chat with a guy for days, weeks. He lives in another state. And they think that they have a relationship with this person. It's the craziest thing, but it's so common, you wouldn't believe it. So, well, let's talk about positive things. Like it is almost Valentine's Day. So <laughs> are you doing anything special on the radio show about Valentine's dates? I don't know. What would you do on the show that would sort of commemorate this big holiday, which many say is a Hallmark holiday, but yeah. Okay. So well, <laughs> the one thing that I learned because I would be the dreaded Valentine's Day, <laughs> I go into it now thinking, 
I can't wait for Valentine's Day because if I don't have a date, I'm going to do something nice for myself and I'm going to buy something nice for myself. Oh, I love that. We're going to have some kind of event, which I'll let you know about. Valentine's Day is a Hallmark holiday, but it also is a very romantic holiday. So if you are single, you have to go into it with an open mind and always be positive. I mean, that's the one thing I've learned. You really have to keep your positive energy up and think optimistically. Exactly. So we want to talk about takeaways for our listeners that basically draw from your experiences and what you think has served you the most in overcoming obstacles. And when we talked before the show, you mentioned one of the things you, you've you seen in your lifetime, in your experiences, and you think it has to do obstacle-wise with women being pigeonholed, particularly single mothers. And how have you been able to overcome that roadblock? You probably don't know this, Krista, but when I met you, I was probably at a very low point. Really? You know, you didn't show it. Probably you really. didn't show it. I mean, you were freelancing, so I didn't see you every day. Right. But you definitely kept it together in terms of the image you were projecting. Well, you know, we have to do that, I guess, to be professional. But so anyway, at that point, I was just going through the motions and figuring out the next step. And actually, Fios was good for me because I was anchoring there and I did some field producing, which I was reluctant to do, but I actually had fun doing it. And we ended up winning a a press club award from it. That's right. Awesome. You really have to keep going and not let the outside world tell you no, because nobody knows what I'm capable of. And I don't shout it from the rooftops. I think I'm pretty humble, but I know what I'm capable of. And I I could be an A-class journalist again, but as you know, women in the field, it's very hard because we are pigeonholed. They like the shiny new toys. I don't know if we want to talk about that, but that's part of it. Well, we talk about what's real and I'm fine with that. <laughs> that's what we want to do. We want to talk about what's actually happening out there. Yeah. And it, it's it's unfortunate for women. You know, they say other people are just, you know, there's discrimination. There's discrimination against women over a certain age. And It's kind of sad, you know, in a way, because we have so much to offer and we're so wise and we've gone through so much and we've endured so much and we've raised families and we've built careers. I mean, what we've done is amazing. And yet we have to still fight our way to wherever we're going and we have to continue that fight. And I never say never. I know what I'm capable of. And I always have to create my own niche if I can't expect someone to create it for me. You've done that. You're very entrepreneurial in your career. We're trying. And I think you're right. Going back to do a reset sometimes and a reinvention, it doesn't mean my former self was not enough. Sometimes I feel like when I put things on Instagram, you know, sometimes you put things, little quotes, things that you read, something that inspires you. And I I think I remember saying something like, you know, the best thing to do is be a better version of yourself every day. And I remember one of my friends saying, well, you, you know, the former version of yourself was fine. Why do you feel the need to change? And I really actually took that to heart. And I thought, because I'm always trying to improve and I'm always trying to get closer to my purpose in my personal life or professionally. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything weak about that about reinventing yourself, about coming closer. This is a journey. This is what we're working on every day. Reinventing yourself is so important and not staying with one thing 
your entire life because that can be boring too. You know, we have many aspects to our personality and many talents and we're not just news people, although, you know, I still do like news and I still have aspirations of perhaps one day doing a documentary or something. And just because I'm doing something soft like dating right now doesn't mean that I can't do hard journalism as well. Exactly. You have that versatility. And I know you love field producing. I know you were doing that also on Long Island as well after Eyewitness News. And I feel like I could see you doing any of it, whether it's hard news, whether it's more of this sort of culture stuff. You're not afraid to reveal yourself to people. And and, and that authenticity is what will always serve you. Mm-hmm. What's next for you then? So are you actually considering pursuing documentary work? I think you'd be great at that. I have a very interesting story that I want to put into a documentary format. Okay. I'm trying to figure out who to pitch it to, but it has all the elements of intrigue and probably a story that most people aren't aware of or don't know about. little teaser. I'll give you that little, but it, it involves the mob. Oh, that's awesome, Lauren. I have goals and I have aspirations and I would still love to write a book one day. I have a few books that I've written that are in my computer right now about the business, like Tales from the Van. <laughs> that's good. Which I may try <laughs> no, that's great. someday. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. Well, 14 years covering New York City or the New York metro area, a lot of great stories to tell. There's so much more to come from you, Lauren. I know it. So where should I send people to follow you in terms of social media? I'm not sure if you have a website right now, but where, where can they learn more about you? So I'm on Instagram. I have a swag page because I do have a clothing line and it's called LSD Swag, at LSD Swag. Those are my initials. Oh, oh, that's that's right. I didn't put that together. I love your jackets. Thank you. I'm going to make you something. Yeah, I'm send no, you something. I know. We had talked about that when we did that wine tasting trip. Okay, so wait, did we get everything out though? So did you give me your actual account handles? At Lauren DeFranco and KJoy. We're on right now, Sunday mornings but I will send you the link. This was really great to do. And I'm inspired by everything that you've achieved. And I know there's a lot of great things to come for you. So thanks so much, sweetie. Talk to you soon. Okay, well, that was a fun episode. I have to take a moment and say, this job gets better and better. I get to keep talking to and learn from and grow with people who are just finding exactly what they're supposed to be doing with their lives. And some of these people are my friends. So yeah, it's pretty amazing work. Thank you for being with me during this process and for your support. As always, you can find me at Bucketless Careers on social media, comment on the posts, let me know any guests you think would make a good fit. Give me your email on bucketlesscareerspodcast.com if you haven't already signed up for our newsletters. We've got some plans in that area as well. All right, we'll be back next week with more. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.